We have with us in the studio tonight again, Terry Ball, pastor of Castle Rock Baptist Church. Welcome, Terry. It's great to have you with us. Good evening, Joel. Terry, uh, we talked about some uh, things relating to your conversion and your passion for Christ last week. Um, I understand that you went to Israel uh, recently. Tell us a little bit about that trip. Uh, Yes, my uh, daughter is studying, did her uh, spring semester in Israel, and uh, I had an opportunity to go over and uh, meet with her and spend some time with her and spent uh, 10, 11 days uh, in the Holy Land, uh, an amazing place. I would encourage anyone who can go with their child there to go. What were you doing? Uh, what did you do while you were over there other than visiting with your uh, with your daughter? You know, to, to date, when I got <laughs> I still wonder why didn't the Lord take me there. Uh, I had an opportunity with uh, two professors, one uh, a doctorate of biblical archaeology and another one of uh, the Bible, to go around to some sites, uh, archaeological sites, and and see uh, everything from uh, where uh, Samson grew up and uh, the territory and the terrain in which he moved around in to where Dan moved, the tribe of Dan moved to the high point, uh, and, of course, the, the old city of Jerusalem. So you were it was a small group of people that were touring the various sites? Yes, yes, it was a, a small group. God opened some doors there. I had an opportunity to meet with a, a renowned rabbi uh, of Jerusalem. Actually, his synagogue and seminary are just across the plaza from the Wailing Wall that many of us have seen on television, the prayer wall of Israel. And I also had a chance to meet with two Palestinian elders in the city of Jinnah. Now, elders, were they, uh, what were the elders? Elder means elder of the city? Elder of the city. Elder mm-hmm. of the city. They, they have oversight of the city. Uh, and Jinnah is one of the places that uh, uh, gave birth to some of this terrorism, uh, mm-hmm. the suicide bombers that we see. So were these were these elders of of these villages? Are they are they Muslim? Probably most of them. Yes, the 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 ones that I met, uh, the guy who brought arranged the meeting calls himself a Bedouin, um, and I said, "Does that mean you're a Muslim?" He says, "No, I'm a Bedouin." He says, "My wife is Muslim, but I'm a Bedouin." So I'm thinking that uh, that's similar to my wife is a Baptist and I'm not. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, about all I remember from Bedouins is they were. Sort of nomadic type people lived in tents and had their herds of sheep and goats well, and camels. And... That's what I've seen. <laughs> I know they have some very strong coffee. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, maybe they're close to nature, and that's uh, that's why they call themselves that. Talk, talk about the, the whole situation in Israel today between the Arabs and the Jews. And uh, Do you believe there will be peace in Israel before Christ comes, or uh, are things going to get worse? I believe, if I look at it in light of the book of Revelation, uh, I believe that there will be an escalation and then there will be a temporary man-made peace. Uh, I believe that is the, the person of the Antichrist. But as, as peace, a genuine peace, until the return of the Lord Jesus, there will not be peace. How do you think we should, uh, as Christians, view Israel? Now, there's there's some uh, evangelicals that just... They, they're taking the Arab side, or maybe we shouldn't be taking sides, or well, what is your position on what, what we should, uh, how we should relate to Israel, uh, to the, the, the nation of Israel? The nation is still a secular nation. Um, if you go, what I've seen there is that you have a, 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 a basically a democracy similar to ours here in, in America. It's a rep, uh, representative uh, government, but 
one of the things that I've noticed in my study of Scripture is if you want to see God's judgment quickly, bring about injustice. Be unjust in uh, your government. Uh, And I believe the, the supporting of Israel, I believe in praying for Israel, but if they are unjust in what they're doing, I do not believe that we can support it as children of God. So, so they're, uh, in that case, you think there are cases where they are not treating the Arabs fairly? Um, I, I've, they've done some stuff in the past that uh, cannot be condoned. Um, I do not believe what they're doing now, this building of this wall. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of the stuff on the radio about it. I've seen the wall uh, in prog- progress. But when I look at that and I think about if it was here in our country, what would we do? And if we had a group of people who were at random sending people in the middle of our community and exploding bombs, we'd build a wall. And I find it ironic that people would get upset about this. And yet the primary function of any government that God has in place is to protect protect the civilians. Now, I, I understand that there are a lot of uh, Arabs on the West Bank that for some years went into Israel to work. Has this terrorism and the cutting off and the walls and all these things affected their livelihood? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, basically, what is happening is that the Israeli government is, is going to make it. It's eventually going to go there. It's not quite there yet. That if you're Palestinian, you will not be allowed to work in the nation of Israel. That's that's actually where productivity is right now is in the nation of Israel. Well, because there's really no industry uh, in the West Bank and Gaza and some of those places. None, right? none. Um, I, I went through Jericho or the outskirts of Jericho, and they had just completed two casino gambling casinos, similar to what you would see in uh, uh, Las Vegas. Uh, they were completed uh, a little over three years ago, and were prepared to come in and start generating an, an income in Jericho. Uh, when they called for this intifada, this holy war. And at that point in time, everything was sealed off, and I don't think there's been a gambler in there uh, since the completion of uh, of the casino. So it's just a, a building sitting there empty then? Yeah, huge building. Hmm. And nothing is there. You saw the building? Absolutely, absolutely, but from a distance. <laughs> and and that's, that's even a... A weak kind of industry, is it not? Uh, when you oh, I, I would think it's a very weak industry, but I also yes. see that they don't have an industry. Tourists won't go in. I was um, thinking, what, what tourists aren't going to go to? I mean, even now, it must be difficult for the tourist industry in Israel because of all these. Uh, it is. It is. Uh, I, my, uh, the, I had a bus driver, Joel, uh, who is Arab-Israeli, uh, and he uh, uh, said that he had not worked since October when I got there. So he had drove this tour and I asked him, I said, can you take me into Jericho? And he said, no. And I said, but you're Arab. And I said, why can't you get me in there? And he says, because they will throw rocks at the bus or my car. Uh And I said, so basically people aren't going into there. And he said, no, he says, no, it's crazy to go in there. Mm. Well, this is, uh, this is really a difficult time. Uh, I want to ask you, though, more specifically, how Israel fits in the prophecy, uh, the book of Revelation. Give us a little bit of your insights on that. In the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul lays out that there will become a, come a time of the fullness of the Gentiles uh, when uh, the church has reached the Gentiles with the gospel of Jesus Christ and those who would be added to the kingdom uh, that number is is fulfilled. Uh, I don't know what that number is. I don't know where where that is. 
But in that context, he's dealing with this partial hardening of the heart of Israel, of the Jews, the, the setting aside. In my studies of the book of Revelations, um, my, my take is a little different than uh, some others. I look at it and see that is the revealing, the apocalypsis of Jesus Christ to the chosen people of Israel. Revelations, I understand it's the end of the age and it's the conclusion of all things, but I think the primary focus of that book is God revealing himself in the person of Jesus Christ to his chosen people, Israel. And so are you, uh, would you say that some of the things that are leading up uh, to that and the Messianic movement and uh, a number of Jews getting saved in these recent times is part of that? <clears throat> absolutely, absolutely what I see. And what was interesting, I, I shared with you that I had met with a prominent rabbi in Israel. Um, he's a non-believer, uh, but he believes that the world will cease. Uh, his sect of Judaism believes that the world will cease in 6,000 years, minimum 6,000 years. And right now they're at 5,700 and something uh, on the Jewish calendar. And I asked him, I said, what does Messiah look like? And he said, Messiah will bring all nations together and will reinstitute the um, sacrificial system of the temple. And I find that interesting because that sounds like the Antichrist described in uh, Revelation. I didn't say that to him, but um, that's interesting that so many Jews, Orthodox conservative Jews, uh, he believes that uh, we're setting up for a world peace, and it will be brought about, brought about by one man who will have the ability to draw people. That's a, that's an amazing thing, isn't it? Uh, it's scary. So, so the anti-Messiah, who is, uh, in their mind, the, the Messiah, really becomes a false Messiah. That is, well, uh, I appreciate uh, what we've talked about tonight on, on, on all of these things about Israel. I think what we'll do, and we do have a few more minutes, that I want to begin to uh, to focus on things that relate to our overall theme for the month of May, and that is uh, expository preaching. In fact, uh, the monologue that I'm giving is uh, on that whole that one subject. What is expository preaching? But I want to ask you first of all, and I'll ask you that question as well. But Terry, how do you study the Bible? First of all, I want to ask you, how do you study the Bible for your own? spiritual growth, and then how do you study the Bible as you prepare to minister and teach the Word of God to the congregation? First and foremost is fervent, passionate prayer. Uh, Anytime I get into the book, for my strengthening, um, it is on my knees, uh, understanding that I'm entering the throne room of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, He who created existence, he who holds it all together. And then it's reading it. Uh, I read uh, whatever book I'm teaching or studying, I read it every day. Uh, and I read whether it's uh, in, in our fellowship, I we are studying 1 Corinthians. Uh, I read 1 Corinthians every day. Uh, the teach, entire epistle of 1 The whole letter. The whole letter. And I have now for uh, almost two years. That's and, a great idea. I wish I'd said I'd have thought of it, but <laughs> some preachers they they read it while they're doing their their, their scripture readings. It's, it's, it sounds like right. well, and before, yeah, some of them I believe, the yeah, some of them do, and uh, you know they can take that up with <laughs> with the Lord. <laughs> well, that that is a that is a interesting idea. I, I hadn't thought of that. Reading it every day when you're doing a series on a book, and you do uh, 
go through a book or an epistle uh, of the Bible. You don't just hop, skip, and jump all over the Bible. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. I, uh, I would like to tell you that I have this awesome plan that is laid out before me, um, but it isn't. I see the hand of God doing it, and uh, I believe that if you truly want to stay true to the text, uh, you teach the text of the book because it was written as a letter. Teach the letter. So, so what are some examples of uh, books or epistles of the Bible that you have uh, preached on? Uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> I started out with First Peter. That was that interim time when they supposedly I was only going to teach for three months. I went from there to the Gospel of Matthew, and that took me uh, almost five years teaching. Um, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Uh, I went from there to Second Timothy, uh, and from there to uh, Hebrews, and from there to the Corinthian letters. And I, the whole intention of teaching First Corinthians is personal holiness, so I can teach Second Corinthians, which is now let us minister. That that Second Corinthians is just a marvelous. Uh, I think it gets lost in the shuffle sometimes because First Corinthians is sort of the the wild one. That's the one that, that draws people. All these problems these folks had that are sort of like what we're going through today. Correct. But uh, there are parts of Second Corinthians that talk about the ministry that Paul had and his brokenness and the fact that we have this, this uh, in, in, in a vessel, we have this beautiful treasure, that, but, but the vessel is that which is broken and marred, and it is the beauty of Christ that's in us. I think that's just a marvelous study. But that's an interesting... Uh, kind of synopsis of uh, where you've been in your, on your, in your teaching ministry. We're going to close here in a couple minutes, but how do you prepare to preach and teach? You've already mentioned that, that you, you read, uh, what, you, would you read commentaries, uh, <clears throat> listen to tapes? What do you do? I, I, I listen to some other pastors, not a lot, because uh, I don't need to be swayed. I do, when I'm into a, a, an in-depth study, I will... Uh, Usually it's grammatical books, uh, something to do with the original language, uh, Hebrew or the Greek. Uh, I like the historical side of it, pay attention to a lot of that, what was going on in the society, how does it relate to us today. I never study Scripture with the intent of preaching a sermon. I always study Scripture with the intent of the Lord changing me, replacing me instead of renewing me, and perhaps by His mercy— uh, I will be given an opportunity to share that with somebody. That's uh, that's great. Replacing me. How did you say that again? Uh, I do not look at the at him renewing me, Re- but, I, replacing me with Christ. With Christ, not not, not I, I but Christ. Christ. He must increase, but I must decrease. Uh, John the Baptist. Uh, <laughs> Correct. That's a good Baptist statement, wouldn't it be? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Well, Terry, it's been been great to having you here tonight, and uh, we're looking forward to next Sunday night when we talk about. In more in depth on expository preaching uh, and sort of the theme, great preachers I have known. It's amazing how much we can get from uh, being mentored by some of the great preachers of the past as well as uh, some of the expository preachings of today. So thank you, Terry. Uh, good night. Mm-hmm.